Welcome in, everybody, to the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Your favorite youth pastors every single week, Kyle and Derek, talking about all of the mistakes we've made, all the ways we've learned how not to be youth pastors. How are you doing, Derek? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. That's great. Well, that does it for today's episode. <laughs> Short one. Just had to get it in the books. Uh, no, I'm excited. Uh, it is February. Um, I, I actually just recently, uh, January 31st, I went golfing yeah, you did. in Minnesota yep. because it was warm enough and I felt like that was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. With your dad. So yep. that, that's also, you know, a heads up play by you. Yeah. So I now have the goal, uh, to play one round of golf in every month this year. Uh, just to see if the weather will allow me to do that because normally you can't do that in January in no. Minnesota. Or but, February or, or March right. or April, maybe May. But we got January and February out of the way, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Wait, you golf today? Uh, well, I will probably go golfing tomorrow. Okay. But uh, this episode is releasing yeah. in a week. No, I know. So I was speaking in past tense because it will have already happened you were speaking past tense for future. Yeah. Well done. Much. And then you questioned it, and it totally ruined the entire illusion. What else am I here for? <laughs> but uh, the other thing that uh, will still be in the future by the time this episode releases uh, is the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Which uh, we are all excited about. Which um, everyone knows because we talk about football, football an unholy amount on this podcast. Yeah, that's probably true. There's a lot of things we give too much airtime to on this podcast. Which our wives pointed out. And so yep. if you have not listened to the greatest episode that this show has ever seen, go to episode 100 because our wives are kind of the best. Yeah, and we hinted at this in episode 100, but... I don't think we brought full attention to the hilariousness of the story. Uh, we recorded episode 100 with our wives. It was great. It was funny. Uh, and then Derek and I recorded episode 101, mm -hmm. uh, where we made a joke about something that happened in episode 100. Yep. And then the audio for episode 100, through a number of different factors, was not usable. Yep. So we had to go back and re-record episode 100. And the funny thing that we referenced in episode 101 <laughs> didn't like it didn't happen in the re-recording. So we referenced something in episode 101 that no one is going to understand, which is a bummer because it truly was an all-timer. It, it was it was phenomenal, yes. Uh, but uh, anyways, before we dive into, uh, we have some Super Bowl talk we want to get to. But first, yep. Derek, just 15 seconds, uh, your thoughts overarching thoughts on the 2023 nfl season the whole season the whole season wow okay uh 15 seconds vikings suck saints are bad too and chiefs are in it again that's kind of my synopsis six seconds that was pretty good hey um happy to be here <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that uh that honestly sounds about right um it was it was an entertaining season it was uh it was a good season for both of us from a fantasy football perspective uh, and I, I think that, uh, while I'm not a fan of the incessant rules to protect the health of the quarterbacks, yep. I think this season was a reminder that we need healthy quarterbacks for football to be entertaining. Oh my gosh. It was horrible. It was horrible. I will say what I did like about this season, contrary to the prior was how, uh, DPI and OPI were not like 
always this hot commodity. Mm. You know, like I feel like as a result of your Saints game from how many years ago, there was this emphasis on really calling pass interference and challenging that, and it was a hot mess prior to this year. So I was glad to see that there wasn't a whole lot of controversial defense, defensive pass interference calls that were really, really controversial. There's always some, but, you know. Yeah, I uh, got to relive that moment. Uh, Derek's talking about the uh, NFC Championship game in, I believe, 2018 between the uh, Saints and the Rams, Yep. where uh, the Saints were driving down to go kick a game-winning field goal. And uh, if they got a, it was third down, if they get a first down, then they can run the clock to zeros and kick the field goal as time expires. And it was, it would have been like a, you know, 30 yard field goal, very short field goal. And uh, the Saints threw a pass uh, to, I want to say Deontay Hardy or Tommy Lee Lewis, who nobody knows who any of those guys are. Uh, but they, the Rams player, blatant pass interference. Oh, yeah. Mom. And it, it was not called. So, and that stopped the clock then because it was an incomplete pass. And so the Saints had to kick field goal. The Rams went down to kick field goal to tie it. And the Rams ended up winning in overtime. Uh, but I was reminded of that because the Lions were in the NFC Championship game this year. And their head coach, Dan Campbell, was the Saints tight end coach in that game. And Jared Goff was the Rams quarterback in that game. And so it was reminiscing the last time those two were in the NFC Championship game. Uh, but anyways, enough about, uh, the past season. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's coming up this Sunday. Uh, as many of you may know, uh, the Super Bowl and, and sports betting are, are very, very, sports betting has become incredibly popular. Something uh, that Kyle and I both participate in every single week is sports. N- nope. Bet- oh, oh, nope. Nope. I should nope. have said that on air. Um, <laughs> No, we do. I we do not sports bet, nope. but we do find the concept entertaining. And yes, so, we do. Uh, what we have here are some of the like you can legitimately find sports books that are taking bets on oh, yeah. some of these things we're going to list sure. uh, on all these things we're going to list, and we're just going to run through them and uh, and can, see. Can what I our tell you are. why I would never ever actually bet? Is because I would literally scrutinize myself into oblivion that I would like. I get. I get legitimately sad or mad mm-hmm. when my fantasy football team does not perform, which yep. is in essence sports betting, you know, some level of knowledge, much level of luck and yeah. just how things I bounce. I mean, fantasy football can be sports betting. It's just whether or not you put money into it. Which I don't because right. I get ticked off enough about it the way that it is <laughs> and it literally means nothing. So, yeah, uh, I would say props to you as a pun, but. I can't even say oh, that. Oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. Uh, all right, so the first one, uh, Reba McIntyre is set to sing the national anthem. Yep. Uh, so there are bets on how long it will take Reba McIntyre to sing the national anthem. Uh, the last I saw, the over-under was 1 minute and 30.5 seconds. Uh, traditionally, without taking the singer into account, I have seen the over-under usually at about 2 minutes. So apparently they think Reba McIntyre is going to fly through the national anthem. That feels aggressive. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over as well. Uh, For a bonus point, Kyle, famous cameo of Reba McIntyre. You're telling me like she's in something famous and I'm supposed to guess what it is? Uh Uh, Which one I was watching prior to us hitting record on this podcast. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Movie or TV show? Uh, Movie. Old relative to us. Jeez. Uh, Goodwill Hunting. No, uh, the Little Rascals. 
Really? The Little Rascals. Great movie. In, in, in the scene yeah, where they're yeah. doing the race car. Yeah, because uh-huh. uh, Donald Trump and Whoopi Goldberg are in that too. They are. The thing that I was like, I was watching was I, I was know looking exactly at the what cast you're talking about. and I was like, you know, because <laughs> I don't know why, but anytime I see Reba McIntyre, I think of the Little Rascals <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm the only person in this entire country that that's the first thing I think of when I see Probably. her. Uh, however, when I was looking at the cast of the Little Rascals, I saw that Raven Simone was in The Little Rascals. And I sure. thought, where? Like, where in the world is Raven Simone? Uh, but she is the girlfriend of Stymie, which is the, the, the like, bald black kid. Um, yep. You know, and just, it was awesome. Huh. So, wow, yeah. there you go. Um, shout out to The Little Rascals. Which, speaking of The Little Rascals, uh, I forgot to mention our sponsor for today's show. ADWS. No, I was oh. gonna say Bluey. Oh, well I have a, I have done. a new uh, Bluey sticker on my laptop uh, of the dad dancing, uh, and it is objectively the greatest kids TV show of all time. It looks just like you. So yeah, and he acts just like me too. I aspire to be Bandit one day. Um, all right, so uh, another bet that you can find: uh, who's gonna win the opening coin toss? Chiefs or 49ers? Niners. Uh, we're going to follow up on this, by the way. So in two weeks, come back. And, oh, so uh, I can actually try here. Okay. Well, uh, so Derek's going to say the Niners. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say the Chiefs. Uh, Derek and I, I got to log these. Derek and I both said the over for yep. the National Anthem. First play, run or pass? Uh, run. I agree. Uh, which team will score first, the Chiefs or the 49ers? Niners, Niners baby. Ooh. I'm going to go with the Chiefs on that one. Uh, Will the first touchdown scorer's number be over or under 22 and a half? So, like, their jersey number. And I assume, like, a passing touchdown is being attributed to the one receiving the ball. Correct. Yes. And so I I believe George Kittle. Yep. Travis Kelsey. Yep. Christian McCaffrey. Yep. All have numbers over 22 and a half. That's correct. I think pretty much everybody else is under 22 and a half. Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice is four. Debo, I think, is 22. I thought he was 19. Well, either way, it doesn't yeah. matter. It's under 22 and yeah. a half. Uh-huh. Uh, Debo and Ayuk are under. Rashi Rice, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Isaiah Pacheco is under. Uh, if you want to look at Isaiah. I'm going to take I, the under. I'm going to take. No, but Kelsey and Mahomes are just so. Oh. Uh, I'm going to take, uh, take the over. <sighs> yeah, I have to as well. All right. Uh, this is one of my favorite ones, and this is one something that can legitimately be bet on. How many times will Taylor Swift be shown on camera? Uh, Twenty-two and a half. They had the over/under at four and a half, which feels like I should spend my entire life savings betting the over. Absolutely, no uh, question. Did you with, know? I, now he, I, I saw this by the way. Okay. Um, Taylor Swift. I don't know how they tracked this accurately, but it was like a legitimate source. Taylor Swift, ever since this whole thing started, has single-handedly generated about $331 million towards the NFL and its affiliates as a result of her screen time and just the uptake in jersey sales, tickets, Interesting. everything else. $331 million. Again, how they track that, I have no clue. However, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, here's a wrench that might be thrown into that question. Taylor Swift, I believe, has a concert the night before the Super Bowl in like Japan or something. Nah. And, and and no, this is legit. 
and she's like flying from there to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. So if something happens where she doesn't end up being at the Super Bowl, then it will definitely be less than four and a half times that she would they, would, they, would they throw the bet, though? Like, would they... I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I'm still other, sticking with the over. The other thing Jet that... Uh, for This is just my own personal vendetta against everybody that is like, oh, climate change. Like, you as an ordinary citizen need to do your part in order to save the planet, which I'm not for destroying the planet. Uh, but I saw a stat that there's going to be over a thousand private planes in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. And so when those people decide to clean up their carbon footprint, because their carbon footprint is more than like their carbon footprint this week is going to be more than mine for my entire lifetime. So when they decide to clean up theirs, I'll start cleaning up mine. Didn't know you felt so strongly. I know. I didn't either. (laughs) Um, uh, we have three more here. Uh, will an unauthorized person enter the field of play? Yep. I'm going to say no. Um, I'm more optimistic about their security. Does it have to be televised? I suppose we would never no, know, No, it though. wouldn't be televised. Okay. They, they purposely do not televise those things because they don't want to incentivize it. Uh, Usher is performing at halftime. Oh, Over yeah. or under eight under, and a half baby. songs played? He's just going to play yeah the entire time. <laughs> That's what I hope for anyway. I did. Uh, I don't have it on here, but I did also see that you could bet on like how many other musical artists will join him. Uh, so maybe we'll get Justin Bieber up there with him. I don't so know. what you're we'll telling see. me is in this whole list, there are only three things that we disagree on. Well, I was going to say, there's they, we won't actually bet on this, but uh, well, if there's three we disagree on, that means we're guaranteed that one of us will win be yeah. victorious. Uh, you can bet on the color of the liquid that is poured on the winning Oh, absolutely. Coach. And I saw a a screenshot somebody some guy messaged like 15 or 20 different chiefs players on instagram asking them like for any clue as to what color gatorade they usually have on the sideline or something like that i was like hey man you shoot your shot try like give it give it your best effort and i i applaud the uh i applaud the dedication i'm going red red i'm going red I'll say orange. I don't really have a strong guess. Not that it matters, but both teams have red in there. That's true. So that's kind of what I'm staking my claim on. All right. There you go. Uh, So that's uh, a little bit of fun. Uh, Hopefully (laughs) you as our audience um, followed along and played with us. Let us know. Uh, Reach out on Instagram or something if, uh, if you defeated us. Uh, which you won't, because I'll be, I'll have gotten every single one right. And Derek if will. here, I'll, I'll say this: if you get every single one correct, there will be a prize. All you have to do is contact the makers of Bluey, our show sponsor today, and they will send you a prize of their choosing and their time. So please uh, participate. Hundred percent. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, I, I, that's a completely legitimate contest, and we'd <laughs> encourage all of you to to be a part of it. Uh, but we're not here just to talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, we are here now, fifteen minutes into the episode. My goodness, uh, to talk about uh, our good friends, great friends of the show over at the Youth Cartel. Yep. Uh, every year they come out with their Youth Pastor Compensation Report. And so uh, Derek and I thought it'd be fun to uh, take the 2024 edition and uh, unpack it a little bit, see uh, what we think of uh, some of the statistics that they have in here and 
uh, you know, compare them to our own salaries. And uh, no, we probably won't do that. But uh, there's some things in here that I think will be really interesting to uh, to talk about. And so uh, we'll dive in. For context, they had, uh, let me pull up the number, over 1,100 responses of youth pastors all across the United States uh, from many, many different denominations, which we'll get into that as well. Uh, but the highlight, uh, the, the big number at the top, was that uh, the national average for a full-time youth pastor's salary in 2023 was $52,186. Uh, Derek, any initial thoughts on that? I sure wish I was making that when I was a youth pastor. <laughs> uh, this is, Derek is, uh, I don't actually think he's seen any of this. No, so I was going to make a uh, note about were you ever going to share this with me or were you just no. going to leave me in the dark? This is so much more fun to get your genuine reactions I'm currently to trying to figure out how I can get to it, but maybe I will just go blind. I, do you, I could forward it to you if you want. Okay, that'd be great. All right. Uh, well, while I figure out how to do this, I guess okay, so we'll said, pause the podcast and... Fifty-two thousand. Fifty-two thousand one hundred and eighty-six is the national wow. average. Yes, that's a, that's actually pretty impressive. I will say this: I remember, um, yeah, when I first came on as a youth pastor in twenty seventeen, which is realistically not that long ago, I was making far less than that. Uh, but I, I'm glad to see it's higher, and it it deserves to be because. Youth pastors, they work hard, contrary to popular belief. 100%. Um, just because I've never had... We, we're 102 episodes in yeah. now. I've never had this opportunity to take my B-Real during wow. a podcast recording. So I'm obviously going to take you are the, you are so the a youth pastor. You know that? Uh, yeah. Rabbit trails? Is that what you mean by no, I'm so a youth just pastor? that you have a B-Real. I, I, Got to connect with the youth. Even though you're older somehow. than I am, I don't even have a B-Real. That's because you're like an old senior pastor now. Lead pastor. So old. Senior pastor. <laughs> Derek's actually really passionate about being a lead pastor and not a senior yeah, pastor. Yeah, because I'm... So a- I'm going to call him a senior pastor. <laughs> Uh, that's a, uh, 1.9% increase over the, uh, 2022 average, by the way, uh, which 1.9% is, uh, far below inflation for 2023. So that's not, uh, not great is, uh, is what we'd say. Um, we talked a little bit about some of this stuff. We did a podcast episode a while back just on like how much should a youth pastor be paid. Yep. But, uh, we didn't have, we, we mentioned this you know, I think it was the 2022 report that we mentioned uh, in that episode a couple times, but or or 2023. But uh, we didn't get to dive in uh, quite as much, and so I want to dive in that they have two big factors that they say contribute the most to how much a youth pastor gets paid. Uh, one of the things that you would think would be one of those two factors is how big your youth ministry yeah. is, uh, and that actually has uh, youth ministry or church. Youth ministry. Okay. The size of your youth ministry basically has no correlation to what you're paid. Uh, The church size, as Derek just mentioned, definitely is a factor. And so, for example, uh, churches of 50 people or less, the average salary of the youth pastor is 39,000. Churches of, and, and it steadily, you know, generally increases. You get to churches between 626 and 750 people, the average is 60,000. And then 
<laughs> Interestingly enough, it drops from there. Churches 750 and above are less than 60,000. And so kind of an interesting, like, do you have any thoughts on, or, or like, why is it that churches, you know, between six, 600 to 750 make more than, than youth pastors at churches above 750? Why that actual number is there, I'm not entirely sure, but I do feel as if the reason why you see these, to me, a thousand plus is a mega church. How we choose to classify them I, is subjective, I guess. But to me, uh, a thousand people on a Sunday is mega church level. What I have seen in churches of that caliber, while they have usually uh, the budget to compensate youth pastors or any staff member for that matter, accordingly, what I have found is that there's usually a much higher demand to work there. And what I mean by that is people are willing to work for less if they're on that team, you know, where it's a matter of, I would rather work at this church that's got 3,000 people on it, a youth ministry of 500 people with all of the the gobos and the and, and this haze machines and all that good stuff. I want to work there, even if that means I have to take a $5,000 pay cut from the church I was at where we had two services that ran about 300 each or whatever that number comes out to, Kyle. But to me, it really comes down to there's a higher demand to work in the bigger churches so they can get away with paying people less because there's a large pool of people to, to choose from. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting thought. And I actually think, uh, I don't, I don't want to paint this as like, Oh my gosh, Derek is right for once. Cause Derek Thanks. is a very smart person, but I, I do. I think there's something to that where the, uh, the res- the the demand to work at churches of that size is a little bit greater. Uh, I also would point to you know one of the popular youth ministry numbers is that a healthy youth ministry is about ten percent of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, for example, a church of seven hundred and fifty people would have a youth ministry averaging seventy five students. Uh, our church is not at that seventy five number, but our youth ministry is averaging seventy five students. Uh, and, and as the youth pastor of a youth ministry that size, like even if our church was up in that 750 range, I I wonder if churches in that range, you know, 600 to 750, that feels a little bit on the small end to me to have multiple youth pastors. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you might, and that might be true of member, many staff members where we can't have multiple youth pastors, multiple kids pastors. So we're going to compensate them a little bit more to, to kind of offset that versus you break that 750 barrier. You start to get into a church of a thousand, 1200, 1500, you're going to have multiple youth pastors on staff. And so, you know, you might pay them a little bit less because there are more of them. Right. Which, and I think to, as, as a youth pastor, as a staff member, sometimes that's worth it. You know, like I, some people would sit here and go, if it were up to me, I'd rather work harder for more money. But there are, there is a level to where you go, I literally would be drowning in work if I didn't have that. So that's always an interesting dilemma too, because I think we're obviously going to approach this from a financial aspect, but I think it's so good to get the full picture because, you know, I think while some of these churches are huge, it is working with another person is a unique element to that. And I think it's kind of interesting that you even see that on a pay pay scale side of things as well. Uh, Do you know off the top of your head what the Sunday attendance was of your church when you started as the youth pastor? 
as the youth pastor, mm-hmm. I do. It was about anywhere between 100 and 110 probably. Okay. Uh the reason that I bring that up is because I, because you, you were hired as youth slash associate, right? Like you, you were hired specifically for multiple hats. That's correct. Uh, looking at like a church, it like the church attendance, there were 12 respondents who said they were the full-time youth pastor at a church with 50 or fewer people. Mm-hmm. That feels like a no-brainer that that person is wearing multiple hats. Oh, no question. Right? No question. And so that's I like you know, I I don't ever want to get into the game of uh, you know, accusing churches of not paying their staff enough, although I think I could probably very easily make the argument that that is true almost across the board. Uh, but if you are that small of a church, a full-time youth pastor, like having a second full-time person outside the senior pastor, uh, that feels like it should be a part-time role. Well, I'm, I'm crunching some numbers right now because let's say 50 people. are, are it, This mm-hmm. says 50 or less, but let, let's just shoot high. Yeah. If you do 40,000 divided by 50, Mm-hmm. Over the course of a year, just to pay that youth pass, you're expecting every single person in the church, which would never happen, mm-hmm. to pay 800 bucks to cover their salary. That's before, that's before a lead pastor. That's before your mortgage. mortgage. You know, so it is. While I think that missions, right, all these things, like you're totally right, Kyle. I mean, I think if you're a church of 50 or less, you might be able to swing paying a youth pastor full time but if they are they're probably the youth pastor the worship pastor the associate pastor the worship person the uh pizza orderer you know what what are the odds that those 12 respondents are the like they're the youth pastor but they're also the the lead lead pastor pastor. right (laughs) so like this is maybe that's the only salary this church has because that person does everything for the sake of the salary I I I hope that's not the case though Sure, but again, I mean, you're looking at like maybe that's the salary that they can afford to take and after everything else that the church has paid for. Is it is everyone who responded considered full time? Because like, is the, is the they, reason these this, are talking about full time statistics? Okay, yes. that's that's what I was wondering. Maybe maybe the reason this number is less is because it, there are yeah. twelve respondents that half of them are bivocational and they're yeah. paid. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to church attendance. Uh, you know, obviously these metrics are easy to track, but there's another element that they added into the report this year that I thought was super interesting. Yeah. And that was online viewership, uh, because it's a little bit harder to track, uh, but it is something. And essentially what they came up with was that, uh, churches with online viewership of a hundred or less each week, and this included churches who did not make their service available online at all. Uh, those churches averaged paying their youth pastor fifty thousand five hundred dollars. Uh, if there there was a hundred to two hundred viewers online, uh, the average was fifty six thousand, and uh, two hundred or more online viewers was fifty seven five, and so. Online viewership, actually, in your church, not just in-person attendance, but online viewership, also you see 
a yeah. scale there or a correlation to uh, the youth pastor's pay. So, which is super interesting, which, but it also makes sense. Even if someone's not there in person, if they're watching online, to me it kind of shows that they are invested in this church, which also correlates to financial investment sometimes. Uh, what's I think what kind of backs up this data is when you look at, when you start doing the math of, online attendance it kind of correlates obviously to the si- overall size of the church so it's kind of interesting to see that but i don't know it, it, my initial thought is i'd be curious to know how this works into cuz i don't know if this would be the case but if your church is 100 but you have 30 viewers how does that all kind of line up or or you take that scale further mm-hmm. so it's easier to track it'd be interesting to see how that all works out i think like i've it is so difficult to actually gauge how many people are watching an online sermon. And so I think they the numbers they use here are pretty loose for a reason because it's it's really really hard like okay, we got a view on our Facebook live stream. Well, was that like a 10 second view or was that a 30 minute view? Yeah. You know, and so that's, I think that's really, really hard to gauge. Uh, they do also, we won't dive into it, but they've also got some statistics here that indicate uh, strong indications that if your youth service is available online, uh, there's a uh, an average salary increase there as well. But I thought that was interesting. Uh, the other big factor that they have in here is, uh, so one is church attendance as a whole. The other one is the church's budget, which kind of go hand in hand, right? Usually they go hand in hand and it shouldn't surprise us that these two statistics are the two biggest correlating factors. Um, but they've got, uh, it's, it's actually like pretty interesting once you get over, a million dollars of of annual budget for your church, anything beyond one million dollars, the answers are all over the board. You know, like one million to two million is in that fifty five hundred or fifty five thousand range. Yep. Uh four million to five million is about the same. In the uh oh, I'm sorry. no no four million to five million is up closer toward 60,000. Uh-huh. Uh 10 million and up is 61,000. And so like it's it's not like a huge difference. The 5 to 7 million range is down at 58,000. And so like like the, it there's not a huge correlation after you get past 1 million. Uh but for below 1 million that's where you start to see that huge correlation where uh, you know, under a hundred K you're looking at under $40,000 a year. Uh, you know, a hundred K to 500 K you get into the low to mid four th- 40, you know, four thousands or 40,000, mm-hmm. excuse me. Uh, 500,000 to 750,000 is 50,000 for the youth pastor. And then 750,000 to a million is up to 52, uh, almost 53,000 for the average youth pastor salary. And so, you know, there's a very good correlation, for, especially for those smaller churches, uh, in the bigger your church's budget is, the higher the youth pastor salary is probably going to be. Yeah. I mean, to when I've, with how this is laid out, they list the 1 million to 15 million on like its own page. And you have to scroll. And that page comes first. Right. And I was like, 
Holy buckets! Like, I, there's there's got to be a lot more churches that go. So it it is interesting to to scroll down, and to me, Kyle, here's this brings up a very important caveat that I think I'd I'd love to get your unfiltered two cents on. Because full disclosure to our listeners, we have zero notes for this episode. This is uh outside of us putting prop bets. This yeah, I was is gonna say the- we had plenty of notes. <laughs> they were just all in the prop bets. <laughs> Something that is very interesting to me to see this is clearly the bigger church you go to, the bigger your pay scale. Mm-hmm. That that much is clear in terms of everything we've got this far within reason, but usually the bigger the go, the bigger you go, the more you're going to make. And there is a ceiling there, but whatever. To me, it goes back to, okay, you, you graduate from a Bible college, you graduate, graduate from seminary, you feel called into ministry. So you're going to go, what level does financial compensation weigh into where you go? Because for me, it was far less about, I'm going to go to this church because they're paying me X, Y, Z and far more about, I kind of feel called to this community, but that's where ministry is unique. Because if you're working in this secular field, if you're working in the business sector, compensation likely goes into where what decision you go to. If you can do the same work at company A as company B, but company B is going to pay you $20,000 a year more, short of it being a different commute or a different hours, you're going to go with company B who's paying you more. So seeing this correlation that you make more money in a bigger church, where does that fall into your decision-making process as a prospective youth pastor, knowing the bigger church you're in, the more money you're going to make? I think answering the question, can I pay the bills, is a fair question to ask. Yep. Um, I think one of the other questions that comes to my mind right away when I think of, you know, like, I need to find a job in ministry, which one should I pursue, uh, is how can I grow? I think that's a question that is really, really important. And churches where the youth ministry, you know, is in that like 30 to 40 range or or 20 to 40 even, uh, that in my opinion is the range where the biggest growth in the youth pastor is possible because that's, that's a critical, you've got critical mass there where, you know, you can, you're, you're going to be challenged. Uh, you know, there's a, there's going to be a core of students that wants to go deeper and it's your responsibility to lead them in that. And, and that's going to challenge you as a result. Uh, you've got a critical mass, especially when inviting friends comes into play where some events that you do, will actually take, uh, you know, strategy and organization when it comes to planning them. Uh, you, but you can also, you have critical mass where you can, you can get creative, uh, and, and like, Hey, we're going to do this. And, you know, we'll probably have like 10, 15, 20 students sign up, which, which is a good number for an, for this kind of an event. And then, uh, you know, we can, we can do something like, you know, take a bunch of kids camping for a weekend. Like if there's two of you that 
you know, actually that opens some liability question marks, but, uh, like if there's like 20, you know, 15 kids and four adults, like, yeah, that's, that's a great number for, you know, in-depth conversations and just fun and fellowship and relationship building. Uh, and so that's, I would, I'd encourage youth pastors to ask that question, uh, alongside all the other ones. Can I pay the bills is a good question to ask, but I mean, we are not talking about doubling and tripling salaries. Like we literally, like f- the lowest range on here of across all of those questions was 39. like thirty nine, mm-hmm. and the highest was in the low sixties. Right. That's not even double. Right. You know, we're not talking like, are you going to make fifty thousand or are you gonna make one hundred twenty thousand? And so that's another one where I think we've got a. You're not in this. Nobody's in this to get rich. Uh, nobody's in ministry to, you know, retire early. Uh, I think your professional growth should be a more important factor than the exact, as long as you can function and, and put food on the table. Uh, I think your potential growth should be more important. I love that. And to me, I'm not going to piggyback off of that by looking at the data a little bit closer. So breaking down the, we're going to look at church budget and average annual salary for a second. This is the second page of the smaller table. <laughs> what kind uh, of the more at? applicable, which by the way, so there were, cause, cause like for this question, there were some youth pastors that filled it out that didn't know. Sure. Like, oh, okay. I don't know for yep. sure which one. So uh, I mentioned the, there were the over 1,100 over 1, respondents. Not all 1,100 knew this. Over half of the respondents were in churches under a million dollars in budget. So this is a the more representative All the rural table. churches said amen to that. Right? <laughs> Here's what was interesting to me about that, though. Looking at this table, there's... The, the the first and lowest category is church budget of 50000 or less, which is a very small budget. But here's what was interesting to me. The average annual salary was $40,000, and there was one person who responded yes to that. So imagine that. Your church budget's 40000 or less, and you're paying your youth pastor forty k. That's almost all the budget. You move this back down further, fifty-one to $100,000 budget. 11 people said, I fall into this camp. The average annual salary for them was $38,121 for their youth pastor. And I, you, I got to imagine that this is the senior pastor. You, maybe. You, you'd, you'd think, right? But to me, it goes into the point I'm trying to make here. I have noticed and I have felt, I have experienced personally that while you, there's only so much that you can pay a youth pastor in a small church, it goes to show that the most important asset of a small church, especially is great staff like that. I have, I have said that to my team. I have talked about that with my board to me, especially in a, a small church, which is usually, but not always, but usually in a small town, what you need more than anything else is good quality staff that are going to pour into your community, pour into your church, pour into the people that are there. And you can have fancy lights, you can have a great sound system, all that is important and has its spot. But I just love seeing that 
while these churches do have smaller budgets, they're still willing to to fork over what they need to do to make sure that they can have their staff pay the bills and keep their head above water because they are the most important asset that the church possesses. Yeah, I like that. Uh, one of the things we weren't planning on bringing up here, but this is all off the cuff, is that uh, there are one of the metrics that I don't think churches really ever look at. In my experience, churches do not actively look at this except for one church I've ever met. Uh, what percentage of your church budget goes towards staffing? Yep. Uh, now, obviously, if your church budget is 100000 and you've got like two or three staff members, most of your church, you know, if you got two staff members, most of your church budget is going toward them. But we, I, I, I love that. Um, I love just the conversation, I guess, around the ratio of, of what should that number be. In my experience, uh, most churches tend to fall, you know, 10 percentage points either way of 50% on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, smaller churches tend to be a little bit higher because like Derek said, the staff members are are the asset there. Mm-hmm. They They are very, very important. And so if your church budget is smaller, but you're investing in your staff and your, you know, your church budget is 60% staff, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. No. Uh, ten, you tend to get, you know, down toward 40% at larger churches because uh, you've got more operations that you've got to, you know, spend money on and just... Larger building, things. larger right. maintenance bills, totally. I I would say personally that going south of forty percent is dangerous. Uh, I there is one church I know that actually has it in their bylaws that they have to be between forty and fifty percent uh, for their church staffing, uh, which I thought was interesting to put in your bylaws. But it, that's something that was really important to them. Uh, but the reason that I bring it up is is to say I agree with Derek that you know church staff is is an important uh, you know asset to the church as a whole. Uh, we'd encourage uh, pastors to take care of their staff and, and prioritize not only having them, but developing them and keeping them and pouring into them uh, and and making them feel valued is important. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's important to remain in balance, whether you're closer to 60 or closer to 40 or you know really far outside of those lines. If your church has a million-dollar budget and you're down at 25% is going towards staff, you are understaffed. Totally. Uh, or you're paying your staff terribly. Uh, and so making sure... And on the other side is true. If you're a million-dollar you know, budget and you got 70% going towards staff, uh, you're paying your pastors way too much. And so I, we would encourage uh, if any, or you, you have know, too many, or you have too many staff. That's a good point. Uh, make sure that uh, that that is just balanced. Is is all I'm saying. Yeah, I love it. Um, so one of the other things that they have in here, uh, a little bit less of a factor, but uh, further education uh, being something that tends to, uh, you know, go toward. Uh, you know that that tends to play a role in pastoral compensation. Uh, average youth pastor salary fifty two thousand, a little over fifty two thousand. Um, if you have a master's degree, it jumps up to fifty six thousand. Uh, if you do not, then your average is fifty thousand, uh, which I thought was interesting and maybe aggressive. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know a ton of youth pastors with master's degrees, uh, but I I would say, uh, basically their whole thing in this section is that uh, grad school degrees are not like like is there a big is there a bump yes is it big no uh and so if you are i'm never going to discourage somebody from furthering their education but understand how that education is going to be paid for is is maybe what i would encourage you like if you're a youth pastor currently and you like hey i want to get a master's degree in organizational leadership and then i'll get a big pay raise well you might get a pay raise but maybe instead of a pay raise maybe your church would be willing to help pay for that right. i don't know yep uh but that's uh just just make sure you're not going into a whole bunch of debt thinking you're going to you know get a $20,000 pay raise yeah i uh to me it really, again, impacts what you're looking for as well because I feel as if some people feel as if that is the requirement to get in. Uh, and I'd be curious to know, this is not in the stat, but I'd be curious to know what the national average is in terms of what's required for you know, post-secondary education. Or like what openings are asking for? Yeah, you know, because I feel like, let, let's call it what it is, do you technically need formal education to do what we do some would say no and there would be merit to that you can't be a doctor without education you can't be a dentist without education you can't be a lawyer you can't be an accountant there's a lot of professions out there that you physically will not get a job Mm -hmm. without the proper education ministry is not one of those things for various churches like if you have a heart uh, for ministry, if you know scripture, if you have good theology, if you work hard, you don't need a degree. So it would be interesting to see what that will that is. Now, I will openly say I am proud of my education. I firmly am convinced that I would not be where I am right now without my formal education. I recommend everybody to go and get it for a myriad of reasons. It would just be curious to know if the people that got the masters did it with the intent of getting a pay raise or if they felt they needed it in order to get a job that they're looking for. It'd just be interesting to see. Yeah. Or if it was just, Hey, this is something I'm passionate about and I want to pursue it. Right. Um, another, uh, really, really encouraging statistic, uh, would be, uh, last year, this report, uh, had a 18.2% wage gap uh, across genders meaning that the male youth pastors reported making 18% more than the female youth pastors. Uh, and, and this year's report had that Wait, number. they made 18% more or 18%? Okay. I they see made it. 18% more, more than the, the female okay. youth pastors. Yep. Uh, this report uh, for this year has that number down to 12%. Uh, and so that's a, that's a pretty sizable um wage gap decrease, uh, which, which we love to see youth ministry is certainly not a job that is done better by men than women. And so, uh, we are, we are full, uh, proponents of, of seeing that wage gap continue to decrease and be eliminated. Uh, it was actually, I I don't know that this is how I would encourage churches going about it, but according to their data, the, Male youth pa- the the female youth pastors 
uh, saw a, where is the number? Uh, the female youth pastors saw a wage increase of, I'm not seeing exactly what the percentage was, but the male youth pastors essentially saw a minus 1% change in compensation. So basically the male youth pastor overall average went down and the female one went up a bunch and that's how it closed the gap. Uh, I don't know that we would encourage churches to do that. Start docking pay. Necessarily, yeah. but uh you know, hey, whatever whatever closes the gap, right? <laughs> it's it's super interesting to see. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of ahead of you a little bit. You're looking uh, at the denominations? I am, yeah. So because this was going to be my point. If they didn't bring it up, I was going to bring it up, what the difference between compensation is amongst denominations. Because certain denominations just historically have more money than others because there's long lines of... People pass away, they leave inheritance to the church. There's, you know, all those different things that go into it. But what I love about this particular table is they have the denomination, then they have the number of male youth pastors and their average salary, then they have the number of female youth pastors and their salary, and then kind of the total average. And so now it's kind of interesting to see when you go into the gender gender gap, how that even differs amongst denominations. Because I mm-hmm. see on this table there are let me count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think I counted that correctly. Ten denominations listed here, uh, including non-denominational, being one of at one the of the denominations. denominations. Yeah. But yes, uh, two out of the ten actually had women making more than men on average. The one uh, was the Nazarene Orthodox churches. They were making on average an extra five hundred dollars. So, it, all things being equal. It was essentially like the same. Mm-hmm. But Wesleyan, this was really interesting to me. The Wesleyan denominations, they average fifty five thousand for females and forty seven thousand for males. So that is a decent gap. Yeah, I will uh that is a decent gap. Uh and I don't wanna write it off completely, but I will make a note that there were only three right. female Wesleyan pastors that uh-huh. filled out the survey. And so if one of them or two of them had you know much higher compensations, that would greatly increase it. On the other side of that, the evangelical free denomination, uh-huh. uh, we're going to poke fun at them a little bit, but also and clarify ourselves. it. Uh, oh, we're coming up. Don't worry. Uh-huh. I, I've been waiting for this. Uh, but with e-free churches, there were 31 youth pastors at e-free churches uh, that filled out this survey. Mm-hmm. Of those 31, 30 of them were men and one of them were women. So we either we need more female e-free youth pastors or we just need more female e-free youth pastors to fill out the survey. And thankful to this study, we know exactly what that one female was making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the one female was at 37,000 and the 30 e-free male pastors averaged 59,000. So again, Crazy. almost a $20,000 gap, but there was only one you know, respondent on the female side. Yeah. And so, so if it's a small church, right. There's, there's you know, a- if you get 12 more or, or 29 more, uh, it'll probably bring that up a lot, but, uh, we will give a shout out. Uh, I actually believe it was the E free E free, very closely followed by church of Christ, uh, were the two denominations that pay their youth pastors the best, um, Presbyterian, slash reformed and non-denominational coming in third and uh, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Presbyterian, Baptist, and then non-denominational, rounding out the top five. But we would be remiss uh, if we did not bring up our very own Assemblies of God denomination on the list. Second to last, as far as youth pastor compensation goes, um, only ahead of the Nazarene Orthodox churches. So, uh, Derek, how are we feeling about the Assemblies of God denomination? As well as Wesleyan. Oh, actually, no, I'm no, sorry. No, total yeah. average. Total average. Total yeah, average. We we pay we pay our men, our male youth pastors, more than the Wesleyan church. But yeah, the yeah, the, right. the Wesleyan female youth pastors are raking it in, and so they brought the average up a little bit. Yes, they did. Uh, I don't know. I mean, to me. I was I was on we have an Assemblies of God page uh, on Facebook where I can't remember if it's like the under forty page or one of those kind of sites. But I am not a part of that. Do I need to be? Maybe <laughs> uh, one of one this this very same table came up and there was kind of some discussion on it because uh, along with the amount, it also is one of the larger gaps between men and women because the men average 48, the female average 37. So you're looking at $11,000 gap. And contrary to the E-free, there was 33 males responding and nine females. So the data is kind of uh, indicative, I want to say, a little bit more indicative. I'm not going to say it's truly indicative. Now, I, we want to preface for for this study and some of the you know gender numbers that we're sharing uh, these, this is who filled out the survey. Totally. And so these mm-hmm. are not numbers that represent the, how the many, yeah. like how many female AG youth pastors are there and how many male youth pastors, male youth pastors, male AG youth pastors are there. Like these aren't indicative of the numbers of as a whole. I mean, if you look at like the Baptist denomination, 205 male youth pastors, 21 female youth pastors. You know, we mentioned the E-free number already. Methodist. Shout out to the Methodist Church, 57 male youth pastors, 92 female youth pastors. And so it goes both ways. Yep. Like these are not meant to be prescriptive for the entire oh, denomination. Absolutely not. But I do think the average salaries uh, can certainly give a, a peek into into what it looks like. Yeah. I and it just it to me uh this was not a hot take, but like they're really Realistically, should not be a gap based upon upon pure gender, right? I mean, like, I think we all know that we would all stand for that. There's obviously a lot of factors that we already alluded to that go into compensation. That being size of the church, size of the budget, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like there should never ever be a well. You're a male and you're a female, so we're going to pay you more. And while that's probably never said, I think it is at least intriguing to go. What are we doing to kind of make sure that there is not a whole lot of discrimination amongst pay between the two. Because while, like Kyle said, it's not indicative of the whole, uh, as someone who is very proud of, of what our denomination offers, its ministers and what it stands for, um, it was kind of a bummer to see a little bit more of that discrepancy between the two. Which is, again, it's not indicative at all of the leadership or how things are. It could have been random chance, but I just think as a denomination that tries to champion women, uh, that would be some way we can kind of stand up for them a little bit more. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly. I mean, I am a, I'm just a statistics nerd, and so I love looking at this stuff. But um, you know, there's a lot of numbers in this study that I think um, are worth 
further discussion and uh and there's some trends that that we've discussed that are good uh but it doesn't mean that uh you know just because we're headed in the right direction doesn't mean that we're there uh and so when it comes to stuff like the wage gap or or honestly just the the overall uh averages uh in some in some of these uh just because they're headed up uh which is good doesn't mean that uh we don't still want to uh still want to see that go further Something I'll say kind of just to give my final two thoughts on two cents, not two thoughts, two cents on uh, compensation is as someone who was a youth pastor for five years, as someone who's now a lead pastor, I think it's imperative that one, you continue to vouch for yourself in terms of compensation. There are going to be years that are up and down. There's going to be years that go better than others, so on and so forth. But I've learned that life only gets more expensive and it's very important, as Kyle said, to fight and vouch for yourself to pay your bills and to do your things and to take care of your family if you are are, are married and have kids. And even if you're not, like you still deserve to have the things in life that that the Lord has blessed you with. But to take this another level, I think it's very important that if you're a youth pastor, you share your long-term goals, dreams, and aspirations with your lead pastor because it should never be, and hopefully your lead pastor doesn't have this perspective. I know I don't, but I am never sitting here going, how can I get by with paying my staff the least amount as possible? There's times you have to make tough decisions. There's times you have to watch the bottom line. You have to make tough calls and all those different things. But I ask my staff, I try to do it for sure quarterly, but realistically it's an ongoing conversation of, what are you striving for? What are your long-term goals? Do you want to be in a house? Do you not want to be? Do you want to have a different vehicle? Do you not? Not that I can single-handedly make that happen, but I want to do my part as a lead pastor to do everything I can to help my staff reach for their goals that are beyond just eating ramen and peeing the butter and jelly every single week. Like I want them to chase this idea of, I want to stop renting. I want to own a house. I want to, you know, not have to be fixing my car every single Wednesday before youth because it's an absolute beater and I want to have a more reliable car. I want to be able to provide in such a way that, you know, we can do this with our family. You need to be able to one, vouch for yourself, but two, share your dreams and goals in a way that allows your lead pastor to come alongside you and do everything in their power to help you achieve those goals. Yeah. I, and, you know, there's always going to be a reasonableist uh, side of that equation, but I agree. I think when, when senior pastors, like, I mean, even from a productivity standpoint, when your employees are you know, satisfied and and comfortable, uh, they're going to produce more. Yeah, uh, I've always want. I don't know if there's a statistic out there on this, but uh, and and maybe we talked about this when we talked about youth pastor compensation. But uh, you know, is there? I I I have not given any thought to this. This is not coming from like a personal side. I I'm just off the cuff, having a conversation with myself in my head. Uh, Scary. I know. Is there any thought to pastors in general purposely being paid so their spouses do not have to work if they don't want to? So that, like, the attention can be more solely focused on ministry? 
I, I don't know if like you're not hiring both like we we are big champions of like you're hiring you know like you're hiring me you're Individuals. Not hiring me yep. and my wife totally uh you're you know, you're hiring the one person uh but ministry is is a job that you know is a lot of times you know your your spouse is a part of it directly or indirectly uh and there are i mean your wife, Derek, loves what she does. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm advocate. Like, the question is, should it be a possibility? Not that, like, no pastor's spouse should ever work. I'm not saying that, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's any merit to that. I don't know if there's any studies where, like, if, if pastors, maybe anybody with a job, if they make money where their spouse doesn't have to work, is that a good thing? Uh, I don't know. It would be, to me, this kind of falls right in line with what I was just mentioning. Like if you, okay, you're married and you desire that spouse A or spouse B decides that they really want to be home with the kid or kids or they want to be home but then kind of really be that support to you. I think it's important to share that with your lead pastor because while that's like a loose term, it kind of goes into while you're not paying them directly by paying the youth pastor more. Right. They're kind of in essence paying that person to help. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. So it kind of goes back to just sharing those goals and those dreams for sure. Um, another thought on this, you've mentioned several times, like, you know, youth pastors, like have the conversation and, and, you know, this should be a dialogue between you and the senior pastor, you and whoever your boss is. Yep. Um, those conversations actually need to happen. Mm-hmm. And that feels like a dumb thing to say. Uh, but I have, like, I've worked at this church for seven years, seven and a half years. We've talked at length about how we're currently going through a pastoral transition. Yep. Uh, I have never been given the opportunity by my superior to have a conversation about my salary. Was it a shutdown or just... Uh, well, salaries were always talked about. Like, first of all, everybody, like every staff member at our church would get the same percentage raise across the board. And there are ph- philosophical pros and cons to that. We don't need to get into that right now. But it was always like, hey, like announced, not publicly, but like to the whole staff at once, here's the raise for this year for everybody. You know, thank you. We're, we're all very grateful for it. Make sure you thank the board end of discussion. And it was never tied to performance, which I want to come back to that. Uh, there was never a dialogue about goals uh, personally or, or dreams or stuff like that. And so senior pastors that are listening do that, prioritize that hundred uh, percent. Youth pastors, if it's not happening, initiate it, ask for it. Now I want to come back. This is kind of my soapbox summary of of <laughs> thoughts here because we just mentioned that the two by far and away the two biggest indicators of of youth pastor pay are the church size and the church budget yep none of as a youth pastor like less than five percent of that can be directly tied to your performance and so if your performance and how much you get paid on a broad scale have nothing to do with each other, 
you need to make sure you and your senior pastor are on the same page as to what the expectations are of you. And if your senior pastor actually does have, here's some things that I want to see from you. Uh, you know, here are goals for you. If you hit this, here's what your raise will be. If you don't, here's what your raise will be. Uh, or, or stay say whatever cost of living gets into there. Uh, have those conversations and make sure that those things are clearly set, so that at the end of the year, when you know your raise comes in you know, like, yeah, that's because I did this or because I didn't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those expectations I think are really important when at the, like from a bird's eye view, church attendance and church budget have very little to do with the youth pastor. So there's got to be other factors that are usually harder to measure that will go into, you know, how much you do and do not get paid. Yeah. And I, it, it's, it kind of goes back to just this unique dichotomy of ministry where for my staff, performance does make an impact for sure. Uh, however, let's say they have a down year, I'm not necessarily docking them for that. If if Because what's hard is, he goes back to fantasy football for a second. You'll, you'll understand what I'm saying here. Just because the process is right doesn't mean the result is there. Like I, yeah. I, I look at some great teams where it's like they did all the right things, but they just didn't have the personnel to pull that off. Like I know, again, that's a stretch, but you know, I'm gonna pull my youth pastor in here for a second. I see what he does every single week. I see how he strives. I see how he plans. I see how he does different things, and he's seeing the fruit of that. There's more kids coming. There's a higher, you know, desire to be there. It, it's booming. It's awesome. He's doing a great job, and we try to take care of him this last year when yeah. things were up as accordingly. But let's say that he plateaus this year and he hits the ceiling while he's going to, what am I trying to say? I, I would never, I would never go into a board meeting and say, we shouldn't give him a raise because of, we don't see fruit from them. But I do think on the flip side, like you're saying a big reason why we, bumped him the way that we did was because he is doing such a great job. So like performance keeps you accountable and it also like stretches you. But I also think it's important to look at the process in addition to the well, results. I think, I think the, the why is also yeah. important. Like I look at, you know, bringing the football analogy into it. The San Francisco 49ers are in the Super Bowl. Last year they had basically the same team and were just as good except by the NFC championship game, they were down to their fourth string quarterback who then got hurt and they had to bring in their quarterback who couldn't throw with his right arm, his, his throwing arm. Yep. Like the process was there. They just had a ridiculous amount of injuries. Yep. And so to look at their season as a whole as a failure, because they didn't reach the Super Bowl would be ridiculous as a youth pastor. If you see, you know, if you got a youth ministry of 50 kids and, and over that year you grow up to 60, so you get a raise. And then the next year you're stuck at 60, so you don't get a raise. Well, why? If, if the church, that there, there's a business in the community that shut down and there were three families that all have six kids that left your church because they had to move because the company they worked at shut down and they got a job somewhere else. So you lost... 10 kids from mm-hmm. your youth ministry because of that. 
but then you also gained 10 kids because, again, you had that trajectory of growth. Well, yep. you know, you're going to punish your youth pastor because a local business shut down right. is effectively what that is. And so, again, now, on the flip side of that, yeah, your youth ministry stagnated growth-wise, but it was because, or, or they went down, because you you know started putting half of the amount of hours in, right? Or because it was clearly evident that you were not Checked reading out. your Bible personally mm-hmm. at all, uh, you know whatever it is. Like the the why I think is it like you cannot. I would agree with you a hundred percent that a youth pastor or any other pastor, their compensation should never be solely based on the numbers in their ministry. Right. And that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do think it can be a data point Mm -hmm. in conversations. Uh, Hey, yeah, our numbers were up and here's why our numbers were down and here's why, uh, you know, our numbers were down, but I feel like we're on the right track. Uh, you know, we have fewer students, but we're going deeper with those students. And so I knew the numbers were going to be down and I'm okay with it because we're really making disciples. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons that the numbers can be up and down and all over the place. Uh, and so that's why, again, having some of those other clear expectations, uh, you know, we don't expect you to grow 10% ministry-wise every year, uh, but maybe, you know, our goal is, maybe, maybe this year one of your goals is to start a Bible study with your students. Maybe one of your goals is to, you know, further disciple some of your youth leaders and grow their capacity, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, just make sure those are clearly... Uh, set on the front end and clearly communicated. Totally. Love it. Sweet. That does it uh, for today's episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, on behalf of Derek, I think it's about time that uh, we definitely don't go... Well, uh, we won't place bets on the Super Bowl, but we're definitely going to go watch the Puppy Bowl beforehand. Goodbye. Goodbye.